Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Bill Current, president and founder of Current Consulting Group and a consultant with Oresure Technologies, about how drug testing impacts workplace safety. This episode is sponsored by Oresure Technologies. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Bill Current, president and founder of Current Consulting Group and a consultant with Oresure Technologies. Welcome, Bill. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Good to have you here. I was wondering, uh, you know, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, drug testing and its impact on workplace safety, but wanted to have you sort of uh, introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do. Okay. Well, it's kind of hard to believe, but I've been in the drug testing business for um, about 33 years now. I started out uh, at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce back in the late 80s. And then I went on to become the director of the Institute for Drug-Free Workplace in Washington, D.C., and then the executive director of the American Council for uh, Drug Education. Um, and then I went to work for a third-party administrator, a company called Employee Information uh, Services. And uh, that was great to get that experience. And then I started this company in 1998. So we've been in business for about 24 years now. And um, it's been a it's been a great career. One of the things that I've I've kind of concluded over the years is that of all the things that the federal government and other organizations have tried to do to address the problem of substance abuse in society and in the workplace, et cetera, probably the most effective thing has been drug testing. It's had the greatest impact in terms of deterring drug use, in terms of identifying people who need help. And so I kind of feel like um you know, I sort of accidentally happened onto it, but it's been a great career in an area that I think is is, is doing some good in society. Excellent. Well, let's uh, jump right into it then. Uh, first off, you know, how does drug testing impact workplace safety? Well, I think in a, in a couple of different ways, um, very clear, important ways. One is that... Um, Substance abuse in the United States is up, clearly. Uh, there's a report that comes out every year from the federal government, the National Survey on Drug Use and Health. And over the last several years, it's shown a steady increase in substance abuse, uh, which not coincidentally aligns with the uh, trend to legalize marijuana. And so we know that there are more people in the United States using drugs on a regular basis. And, and the COVID or the, yeah, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, just made the situation worse. Uh, we know that uh, certain drugs of abuse skyrocketed as a result of the pandemic, like opioids, synthetic opioids in particular, and amphetamines. And so in addition to marijuana, you had these other drugs that were being used more. And that spilled over into the workplace. The workplace was not immune from this trend. And so there's a report that comes out every year from Quest Diagnostics, which is one of the two or three major drug testing laboratories. And they put this report out every year called the Drug Testing Index. And the most recent report that came out maybe a month or so ago showed that positive drug test results are up dramatically over the last five years. And in particular, in um, post-accident drug testing. So we know there are more people using drugs. We know that more employees are testing positive, more accidents are occurring, more workers' comp claims are being filed, and drug testing helps to deter that drug use. There was a, a study done years and years ago by the federal government where, where they asked individuals who admitted to being regular drug users who were employed full time, 
what they thought about drug testing. And 30% said they were less likely to work for a company that conducts pre-employment testing. And 40% said they were less likely to work for a company that conducts random drug testing. So the deterrent aspect of drug testing is significant and that has a direct impact on safety in the workplace and you know the things that come from uh, having impaired workers on the job, like more accidents, workers' comp claims, et cetera. So drug testing can have a very direct positive impact on safety in the workplace. Um, obviously, over the last couple of years, a lot of companies have had to shift sort of how they do business, uh, a lot more remote workers uh, in place. Does that change uh, the need or to drug test or is that sort of, are companies changing their policies if they're letting people work from home or is it still something that's required even though you may work in a different location? Yeah, I think most companies are still trying to figure that out. We do know that um, as a result of the pandemic, many more companies switched to remote workers. And so that percentage increased and, and a fairly high percentage uh, have indicated in recent surveys that they, they're going to continue uh, with remote workers. And so we know that's a, a trend that is strong and it's going to continue. And yet we also know from a number of studies that were done during the pandemic and in, you know, assuming we're out of the pandemic, so to speak, um, you know, post-pandemic, that show that it that workers who work from home are more likely to consume alcohol during the day and take other drugs. And so depending on what they're doing, they may be impaired on the job while working from home. And that's probably a phenomenon we're gonna see increase over the course of time. And so employers are sort of grappling with that issue right now, trying to figure out how do I address substance abuse with workers who are at home and that nobody is really sort of closely supervising. And so I think that's an issue that's still evolving, but one thing is for certain that employers who have remote workers are still responsible for what those remote, remote workers are doing during the day within the scope of employment. And if they cause an accident or uh, you know, uh, make a, a, a material mistake in, in balancing a client's uh, uh, financial statements or something like that, the employer is still gonna be held responsible for that. And if there's a, more, a greater likelihood that that could happen because uh, a, a work from home uh, employee is high on drugs or is uh, you know under the influence of alcohol, that's going to reflect poorly, and it's also potentially going to expose that employer to increased liability. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there's there's going to be a continue, I think, a growing need for employers to figure out how to address that issue. And is that going to come in the way of sort of uh, revised policies, or um, is it just something that's still kind of being? Like you, you said, is still being figured out. But I mean, how how would they actually, you know, if, if you were in their in their shoes, how would you kind of uh, address it? Well, it's it's really quite an interesting trend that we're starting to see uh, materialize, and and it does have to do with what you said, the policy. You know, do state drug testing laws allow employers to conduct drug testing of remote workers? Uh, that's one thing. Um, you know, do employers have the right to know what employees are doing in their own home, even when they're working for you? That's another thing. But then the actual practical aspect of getting the drug test done when somebody's not in the workplace. And one of the things that we've seen starting to pick up steam is telehealth drug testing. 
uh, remote drug testing via some type of uh, video observed app that an employer can uh, use with uh, remote workers. So for example, let's say you've got somebody in another state, you wanna conduct drug testing, you send a, a, a kit to that individual's home, and rather than having to leave their home to find a occupational health center or some other patient service center, they just stay at home. They, they open up the app on their phone or their tablet or their computer, and um, the, the, the company that's sort of proctoring that process can observe the entire uh, collection of the sample. Um, and this really bodes well for oral fluid drug testing because it's very non-invasive to observe somebody providing an oral fluid sample versus somebody obviously uh, urinating into a cup. And so I think we're seeing a, a greater level of interest in telehealth collections and oral fluid drug testing that make drug testing of remote workers more feasible. Hmm. Um, you mentioned uh, marijuana earlier, and obviously there's a lot of states um, in Massachusetts, you know, so definitely it's, uh, you know, there's, there's dispensaries popping up every other street, it seems now, you know, uh, how is, what kind of effect is that having on impairment of workers and sort of how employers are, are dealing with that? Well, let me answer that in, in two different parts. One is that uh, marijuana abuse or the use of marijuana is really fueling this dramatic increase in substance abuse and the use of, of illicit drugs throughout the country. That There's no doubt about that. That's in the data from the National Survey of Drug Use and Health. It's also seen in the positivity results from the Quest Drug Testing Index. So we know that that marijuana is at the center of this upward trend in substance abuse. We also know from a recent study that came out of the University of Sydney, it was a report actually of 80 different studies on the subject of marijuana and impairment. So 80 different sources independent of one another from all over the world studying the impact of uh, marijuana use on impairment of the user. And they really kind of came up with some some new information that really sort of blows out of the water the whole narrative from the, the legalization uh, folks on the subject of, of impairment. And what they, they discovered is that the, in the window of impairment, if you will, from using marijuana is about three to 10 hours, not 20 minutes, not one hour, not two hours, but about three to 10 hours that an individual can still be impaired in such a way as to affect their ability to do their job. And there are several different factors that influence impairment. Um, how much of the drug was used? Uh, what was the THC level in the marijuana? The tetrahydrocannabinol level, that's the psychoactive ingredient of marijuana. How high was the THC level in the marijuana use, uh, being used? How frequently does the individual use marijuana? How did they consume marijuana? Was it smoked or was it consumed in an edible product? Right. And then what task were they being asked to do? Just simply remember instructions or operate a motor vehicle? And all of these things factor into this, this window of impairment that they concluded was about three to 10 hours. And the reason why that's important for employers, especially in safety sensitive environments, is if you're using a drug testing method with a one or two hour or even three hour window of, of, of detection for being able to identify the drug in the person being tested, then you're missing the vast majority of the people who are on the job impaired by marijuana because that window exceeds that one, two hour time frame 
up to 10 hours, especially if they're, if they're um, performing safety sensitive functions that require psychomotor skills. Um, they're driving a delivery van or they're operating a forklift or operating some other heavy machinery, a school bus even. So those come into, those considerations come into play for workers in safety sensitive environments because of a number of different factors. One being that they obviously don't want impaired workers performing safety sensitive functions. And drug testing, as I mentioned earlier, has this dramatic uh, deterrent effect on drug abuse to begin with. And then in addition to that, many states allow employers to move to deny workers comp claims if they can show a connection between the individual who caused the accident and that person being under the influence of drugs. And many states accept a positive drug test result as the, the necessary connection to deny that workers comp claim. The problem that we have nowadays, Jay, is that a lot of states have passed legal marijuana laws that place conditions on employers when it comes to taking adverse employment action based on a positive drug test for marijuana. And that's, I think, creating confusion among employers. Uh, it's scaring some employers. It's, it's intimidating them from drug testing for marijuana. And so one of the trends we're seeing in the drug testing industry today is that a lot of employers are dropping marijuana from their drug test panel. They're testing for all these other drugs, but they're not testing for, mar for marijuana. It's not a huge percentage, but it's a growing percentage from year to year. And I think that's very troubling, especially in safety sensitive industries where marijuana being the number one drug of abuse and having this three to 10 hour window of impairment, um, you don't want people performing safety sensitive functions well under the influence of marijuana. I mean, does it eventually get treated like alcohol where, you know, you don't, obviously you can't, uh, you know, perform your job duties under the influence of alcohol either. Um, you know, it, is it sort of going to be sort of categorized in the same way where you still, you know, policy won't allow you to be under the influence, but maybe it's not considered the same as other drugs? Yeah, that's a good question because Technically, from a scientific and a legal standpoint, a positive drug test result doesn't prove impairment. On the alcohol side of the issue, the, the federal government has determined that a, a blood alcohol content of 0 0.08 or higher is legally impaired. And so you can't be driving a motor vehicle if you have a BAC at 0 0.08 or above. So it's the, the government has established a legal standard for alcohol impairment, and we don't have that with marijuana. And I'm not sure that we ever will have it with marijuana just because of all the different factors that contribute to a person being impaired and the different drug testing methods that are available. And, and by that, I mean that, you know, there's, there's different drug testing methods that don't show, um, that, that don't detect recent drug use. Like, for example, with a hair test. A hair test is a very legitimate drug test uh, for lifestyle identification. Does this person use drugs on a regular basis? What's their lifestyle drug use like? And, but it's not going to show drug use. It's not going to detect a drug in a hair sample for seven to 10 days after the individual uses the drug. With oral fluid testing, it's going to detect drug use within minutes after somebody uses the drug. Whereas with urine testing, it's going to be about six to seven, eight hours before that drug becomes detectable in a, in a urine sample. 
And this all comes into play as employers are sort of grappling with this issue of which drug testing method to use in a litigious environment in which, you know, some state legislatures are making it harder for employers to take any action based on a positive drug test result. You're probably going to want to have a drug testing method that detects recent drug use uh, because of that window of impairment of three to 10 hours and, and, and being able to make a connection between a positive drug test result and impairment. And how will the DOT's new oral fluid testing regulations affect drug testing? Well, it's going to have a dramatic impact. It's already starting to, for that to happen. So to, to retrace our steps a little bit on that issue, because the, the DOT notice of proposed rulemaking that came out earlier this year is the most significant by far development in the world of drug testing. So in October of 2019, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, SAMHSA, came out with final mandatory guidelines for lab-based oral fluid testing, which would allow federal government agencies to choose between urine and oral fluid when testing federal employees. But it didn't apply to DOT-covered employers, meaning employers that are mandated by the DOT regulations to test safety-sensitive workers. On February 28th of this year, however, DOT issued a notice of proposed rulemaking for lab-based oral fluid testing that, that will eventually, once finalized, make it possible for DOT-covered employers to choose between urine and oral fluid testing, and all of this being lab-based testing. And it's having a significant impact already on, on sort of the attitude of, of employers and drug testing providers toward oral fluid testing. A lot of companies rely on those SAMHSA guidelines for a blueprint in how to conduct drug testing, whether it's required under the DOT regulations or not. It's the gold standard for drug testing. And now that SAMHSA and DOT have both come out and embraced uh, and endorsed lab-based oral fluid testing, there's now a blueprint for how employers in any industry can use oral fluid testing in a very legally defensible way. And so it's having a, a, a pretty significant impact. Every year, the current consulting group conducts a survey of the drug testing industry. So we just released the results of our 24th annual survey. And one of the questions we asked this year was, in the future, what drug testing method will be the most used method? And they could say whatever they wanted. About 50%, just over 50, like 50.5% said urine testing, and just over 40%, or excuse me, just over 44% said oral fluid testing. Well, that's so significant because just five years ago, oral fluid testing would have, would, would have registered, of course, but it would have been maybe in the 20% the range. Uh, in a short period of time with an endorsement from SAMHSA and an endorsement or an announcement of uh, coming regulations from DOT, that percentage shot up to about 44%. That's a significant development in the world of drug testing. And as drug testing providers embrace oral fluid testing, you'll see many, many more employers uh, choose it either as their only drug testing method or as a drug testing method that they use in conjunction with urine testing. And how does oral fluid testing compare to traditional urine testing? Well, both testing methods are highly accurate, especially lab-based uh, urine and oral fluid testing. Um, they've proven themselves to be reliable, accurate from a scientific standpoint, and legally defensible. 
so they're they're very equal in many aspects. Probably the two biggest differences are the collection method um, and the um, ability to detect recent drug use. As I mentioned earlier, with oral fluid testing, you're detecting drug use within minutes after somebody's used the drug. And the reason for that is that with oral fluid testing, you can detect the parent drug, the drug itself. With urine testing, you're detecting a metabolite of the drug. And it takes the body several hours before it metabolizes the drug and it becomes detectable in a urine sample. That's why you can't claim recent drug use detection with a urine sample. You can with oral fluid testing. That's, that's one significant difference. But, but the collection method is, is huge mm. because with oral fluid testing, you can collect an oral fluid sample anywhere, anytime. You don't need a professional technician to conduct the collection. Um, and the entire collection process is 100% observed, which makes it virtually impossible for somebody to cheat on an oral fluid test. One of the biggest challenges with urine testing, as good as it is, as solid as it is, is that it's subject to various cheating methods right. like adulteration and switching the sample, et cetera. And so that becomes a, a big issue and a, and, a, and a huge advantage for oral fluid testing going forward. And with oral fluid testing, are you basically just spitting into a cup or something or how's that, how does it usually work? Or, or there's different uh, collection methods, but typically some type of a, uh, a swab or wand will be placed in the mouth between the cheek and the gum until it absorbs enough oral fluid on it uh, to provide a sample for testing. Yeah, it's pretty hard to fake that, I guess. Very difficult, almost impossible. Yeah. Um, so is pre-employment drug testing still important? I think it's more important than ever. Uh, and even with many employers struggling to find workers in this sort of uh, you know hiring environment, um, I think it's more important than ever because we know that there are more people using drugs. Uh, they bring their drug use habits to their new place of employment. And if we're not doing pre-employment testing, we're really leaving ourselves open for um, exposure to legal liability. Let me give you an example. There's a doctrine of law called respondeat superior and another one called negligent hiring. If an employer can't prove that they make a good faith effort to, to secure the safety of their workplace by not hiring drug abusers because they didn't conduct pre-employment testing. And that worker gets hired, is high on marijuana, driving a delivery van and causes an accident and heaven forbid harms somebody. That employer will be held legally responsible for the damages and the harm that's caused by that marijuana impaired worker on the job because there's no way to go back and say, we made a good faith effort to prevent the hiring of drug abusers because they didn't do pre-employment testing. And so it puts them in a vulnerable position of not being able to defend themselves in the event of something like that happening. And I think we're gonna see a lot more companies that have dropped marijuana from the drug test panel in the future come back and reinstate testing for marijuana because of the exposure to liability that they're creating for themselves by discontinuing marijuana testing. What, um, obviously this is a very rapidly evolving sort of, uh, environment just with, you know, as we mentioned, the, you know, the legalization of marijuana in a lot of places and, uh, different kinds of, uh, ways to ingest it and different levels. 
how do you see things playing out over the next five to 10 years in terms of, uh, you know, I guess for employers to try to detect this stuff and, you know, and, and like you said, right. And write policies, you know, how do you see things kind of playing out? Well, there are probably three trends that we need to look for. One is what are three events, let's say. One is what will Congress do on the subject of marijuana? Uh, the House of Representatives has more than once passed legislation that would essentially legalize marijuana federally. Now, that wouldn't necessarily undo all of these state marijuana laws, but it would definitely have an impact. That's, that's number one. I think number two is, um, you know, the 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 big brand names in the world of business that are dropping marijuana from their drug test panels, companies like Amazon, which has very famously and publicly uh, announced that they're no longer testing for marijuana under certain circumstances, pre-employment testing in particular. So what impact will that have on um, other companies' decisions to test for marijuana? And then third, last year, uh, the state of New York legalized recreational marijuana use but they didn't really say much about the workplace. So the governor authorized the New York Department of Labor to come up with regulations for marijuana and in its impact on the workplace. And the Department of Labor issued uh, regulations later in the year, in 2021, essentially prohibiting all testing for marijuana in the state of New York. So New York City had already uh, put the kibosh on uh, pre-employment testing for marijuana, except for certain safety-sensitive positions. But now the State Department of Labor comes in and says, we're not going to allow testing for marijuana under any circumstances. It essentially trumps the city ordinance in New York that only banned pre-employment testing for marijuana. Now, there are a couple of potential loopholes in the state law. And of course, the federal regulations like the DOT regulations trump any state law. So even if a state outlaws testing for marijuana like New York has done, uh, if you're covered by the federal regulations under the DOT uh, regulations, you still have to test for marijuana, of course. But there are a couple of potential loopholes in that prohibition on testing for marijuana. The problem right now is that the whole situation there with this Department of Labor ruling on marijuana testing is so new that I think that there will be some legal challenges yeah. and before it all gets uh, you know, result. But to your original question, I think in the coming years, we'll see more states move to uh, deny employers the right to test for marijuana, like New York has done. I think we'll see more workplace accidents and negative impacts of that. And that will lead to lawsuits. And I think that'll lead to legal challenges of these uh, marijuana drug testing laws. And I think over the course of the next five years, we'll see sort of more constriction when it comes to testing for marijuana and then eventually we'll probably see it open up again where where, where employers will rely on testing for marijuana to as part of their workplace safety programs and you know we we talked a little bit earlier about uh impairment and sort of it's difficult to determine um you know how impaired you are from uh using marijuana do you see uh, is there anything in the works that could actually detect that at some point, uh, you know, like there is with alcohol? Well, the answer to that is no, but there's there's a lot of different reasons for that. But let me highlight one of them, which is that there's no federal standard for a marijuana positive that equates 
to a an alcohol uh, right. blood alcohol content level. So they're really not they're not apples and pears. They're apples and kumquats or something. You know, <laughs> two very different issues. And so I get asked that question a lot. Will we have a marijuana standard that that at least legally says somebody is impaired? And I, and I don't believe that will ever happen. Well, definitely uh, interesting times. Uh for uh for drug testing in the workplace um bill thank you so much for joining me today this has been great my pleasure anytime that wraps up episode 113 of ehs on tap thanks again to our sponsor orature technologies you can find more information about the show and listen on demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com you can subscribe to the show on soundcloud amazon music google play itunes podbean or wherever you get your podcasts thanks for listening and i hope to join me next time Thank you.